the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Investor and the lifelong trader. This is the Biz 1440. KYCR Golden Valley, Minneapolis, St. Paul. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. The NRA bracing for protests this weekend during its annual convention, this one being held in Houston just days after the Texas school shooting. Houston Police Chief Troy Finner says protests will be allowed, but they must stay within the bounds of the law. We will uh, respect everybody's right to protest and speak their concerns in their voice. We will not tolerate destruction of property, nor will we tolerate people assaulting individuals. In the police chief's comments, courtesy of KTRK, the actions of a school district police chief and other law enforcement officers who moved into the center of the investigation of this week's shocking school shooting in Uvalde, Texas, still coming to light this weekend. Authorities acknowledged yesterday that children and teachers repeatedly called 911 but got no response. This is SRN News. Diabetes, high blood pressure, anxiety meds, everyone's on them. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe a bit porky, and you may even have type 2 diabetes, a million dollars of term insurance may only cost you about 200 bucks a month. Call Term Provider. Speak with Big Lou at 800-379-9528. Big Lou will find a term life policy for you even if you have type 2 diabetes or overweight or have high blood pressure. Term Provider has helped thousands of people like you who think they can't afford term life insurance. To buy a million dollars of affordable term life for you, all you need to do is call Big Lou at 800-379-9528. Lou will make sure the scales are tipped in your favor. Call 800 800- 379-9528. Big Lou will answer your call and work to fit you into a term life policy that you can afford. Remember, Big Lou's like you. He's on meds too. For affordable term life, call 800-379-9528. Are you in charge of cleaning and sanitization at your food production facility? American Pressure has the tools to help you. Custom high-pressure conveyor wash systems save time and water and help you automate cleaning. Give us a call today at 763-521-4442, and we'd be happy to come visit you at your location. Buy local, buy quality. Visit AmericanPressure.com. American Pressure, pressure, pressure. Spray it. Don't save it. Spray it. Spray it. Spray it. Some of your favorite pastors and authors are bringing you their most popular devotionals free. Discover the joy and peace you can experience every day when you spend focused time in God's Word. Sign up for daily devotionals from Crosswalk.com and get inspiration and encouragement sent right to your inbox with devotionals for parenting, singles, women, and more. Crosswalk.com provides spiritual growth for every stage of life. Crosswalk.com is a division of Salem Media Group. Portions of this program may have been pre-recorded. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Come on, rise and shine. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? It's going to be a great year. Turn all the lights on and kill the noise. 
The Biz 1440 presents the best two hours of economic news and commentary. Is it safe? It's the King Banyan Show. This is a man. Your source for penetrating economic insight, razor-sharp analysis, and unflinching universal thought. My mind is a globe whirling transient nodes of thought. Everything you need to maintain clarity and stay ahead of the economic curve. Now, here's Professor King Banyan. All right, welcome back, King Banyan Show, the Biz 1440, hour two, on a holiday weekend. Happy Memorial Day. Um, hopefully you you take time during this weekend to uh, mark the sacrifice ultimate sacrifice of of uh, fallen uh, soldiers, airmen, sailors, marines, coasties um and the like uh all around the uh all around the country um th- over this weekend um it's an important holiday uh i i've always believed that that it's it's probably the the one that we sort of because it's you're sort of Unwrapping the bow on your gift of summer, you tend to sort of run right by the uh, important parts of this. So please don't take the time. Um, 651-289-4477. I think we, we are live. I don't think my colleagues Mitch and Brad will be live, but their shows run 1 to 3 today and tomorrow over on our sister station, AM 12A, The Patriot, members of the Northern Alliance Radio Network all. Uh, and I would be... Uh, I would be very pleased if you uh, would do that. I hopefully uh, will get a chance to tap into uh, to some. Of the, I haven't listened for a couple of weeks, and maybe it's one of the recent ones. I hope so. That way, I can take the time to do this. Let me set this uh, this hour up. I want to talk, and and this is going to be the out. So uh, my requ- my musical request, and I mentioned this over on Twitter uh, yesterday in conversation with Chad the Elder. Uh, is that this should be the hour where we do lots of 70s rock. Why? Because this is going back to the 70s in terms of thinking about how we do, uh, how we analyze supply shocks. Hey, King, sorry to interrupt, but Brad is live. So Narn will be live tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Wow, cool. All right. So Brad is live tomorrow. Well, in that case. In that case, you know, put everything down and get to the get to the radio. Or in my case, you have to get to the internet uh, because radio station doesn't reach up here. Uh, and uh, listen to them. Well, we, you know, what we need to do uh, for the entire Northern Alliance is we need to get a little Minnesota network of stations uh, to broadcast the Northern Alliance because they would be fantastic. I I can name three stations out here in Greater Minnesota that really could use the programming uh and uh would be would be fun to do anyway thank you for telling me that daniel that's great we're glad to glad to have them so anyway and brad is of course too young mitch not quite old enough but has some memory of stagflation but brad if i have his age in my head correctly when ronald reagan was elected he probably was still in elementary school so i was a a grad student back then uh and i believe stagflation is what led to the uh elect i think stagflation as much as anything was what led to the election of ronald reagan uh may his name be praised upon all the lands uh and 
I thought, I thought to my, I, I so I hear this term stagflation. Um, uh, <laughs> okay, I will do so. Uh, the um, the I think there should be a. Um, I think there should be some some use of stagflation that is recognizing what happened in the past. And to do that, let me set this up. On Bloomberg here on this station a couple days ago, uh, one of their regular Bloomberg surveillance reporters, Ira Jersey, um, who is basically their bonds and Fed Federal Reserve guru of, of some kind for, for Bloomberg surveillance, uh, was on talking about this, and I want I want to, I'm going to play two clips from him, and it's the second one that actually drops the word. Uh, I believe the second one drops the word stagflation in it. But this was Ira Jersey talking about what's going on in financial markets right now. Cut number one. The acceleration in this rally here in Treasuries, you know, definitely uh, accelerated after the really abysmal new home sales numbers 20 minutes ago. Um, and, you know, the, the fact that you have interest rates clearly affecting some of the real economy, like the housing market, um, I think is reasonably telling, right? And, and part of this is supply, right? So part of the reason why the new home sales numbers didn't come in uh, yes. as much as expected is just that there's not enough supply on the market quite yet. But a huge part of it too is just the fact that you have um, the, the cost of of, uh, of uh, home affordability right now is so low oh, yeah. that you're you're not going to get those kinds of growth and and yeah you know so one of the ironies here is that you could actually have faster um, growth if if there is a, like a big home building boom but it's also like where are you going to build right that that's a non-trivial uh, problem as well in a lot of localities that re- where housing is really in, in very well, strong demand and I would say not just that but as well, where are you going to find the people to swing the hammers and and uh, and move the saws and and lay the boards? Where, where do they come from? Where are you finding those people? Um, so, so one thing to mention, and I think it's worth pointing out, we usually would have done this in the first hour, but uh, the Fed funds rate probability shifted substantially. I'm the key contract I'm watching is the December contract. Uh, and over this week, the probability of the of the Fed funds rate being at two and a half to two and three quarters went from forty percent to sixty percent, while the probability of it going up uh, two and three quarters, going to the two and three quarters to three percent mark, uh, went from fifty percent to to from one half to one third, right? So. The market has priced in slightly fewer rate increases over the last week. And this is why I'm not playing for you. And I decided I really didn't want to do any Fed presidents or so forth. Jim Bullard is on is on lots of different shows right now. He is clearly on a public campaign to drive interest rates up. But everyone else seems to be out on campaigns trying to talk them down a little bit. And the market has moved itself toward this, has moved itself and moved off one one rate increase just in the last week. And a lot of that's coming out of that housing sector that we were talking about in the first hour. But then we get him to use this word stagflation, which I thought was kind of interesting. See if you pick up on it. Cut number two, please. 
we're headed into some period of stagflation. It's just a matter of the the length of time that it lasts, number one, and how severe it is. Um, so, and and I think all of this is endemic of that is is the fact that we have structural changes in the economy that uh, are significantly different than we've really had the last thirty years, and that's feeding into these price gains in in needs, right? So these these aren't price gains in in wants, right? It's one thing if like you know you can't afford to buy a, you know the high end Tesla or BMW. It's much different if you can't have a place to live. And that, so there's a few things in that comment that he made, and this was the one that made me think, okay, and then I tweeted out a a couple other comments too, to say, hey, stagflation means a lot more than what it is you're talking about there. And he's got a number of things confused in that that conversation in my mind. Um, And so what I was hoping to do was to talk about the fact that, that we know there's two things that can happen as a result of that, that can, that can lead to a price increase. One of them is a large increase in demand or in what the macroeconomists usually puts the qualifier aggregate in front of the word demand. So we'll talk about aggregate demand and aggregate supply to represent the fact that we're using a demand and supply construct, a theoretical model that we usually use to talk about goods and services and to make everything pure. We don't even use a real, a real good or service. We, in the principles class, we frequently use the word widgets to represent a good Okay, and we use this to talk about an amalgam of all these various goods and services in the economy as if we can smush them all together to measure a real quantity that we call real GDP and a, and a, price, and, and a price that we call the price index or a, a price level or a deflator or something to that effect. Okay, we do that relatively often. And when we do that, I think it can create some issues, right? So one of the things we can do is we can talk about demand and supply. So let me, uh, to do that, I tweeted yesterday using the hashtag pound KBRS, a speech from President Esther George. President George just announced that she's retiring later this year from the Federal Reserve, where she's been at the Federal Reserve Bank of Kansas City. I think she's been only at Kansas City all this time. That's about 40 years. That's a long, long time. Um, the Fed has a mandatory age 65 retirement rule. So she's, she is expected to retire this year. And she said she is leaving, and they've already started the process of finding her replacement. So she gave a speech on, um, she gave a speech on Tuesday um, to, to, to an ag symposium at the Kansas City Fed in which she tried to talk about what what happened. Um, when demand for, you know, she says, the factors behind the recent increase in price is fairly straightforward. When, good, when demand for goods and services exceeds the economy's ability to supply those goods and services, prices rise. The nature of the supply and demand imbalance poses some challenging issues for policymakers. So she goes to a supply-demand model, which is what we almost always use in this case. 
So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take you through this, I'm going to, and then we're going to come back at the end with a few more commentaries from market participants. But I want to take you in this next 20, 30 minutes of time to talk about what it means when you get inflation that results from demand, what it, resu- what it means when you have inflation that results from supply, and why you shouldn't just look at the price changes and think to yourself, you know what's going on. Because I think in that sense, I think Mr. Jersey may have gotten himself a little confused in how he's using the term stagflation and what, we, and, and what, it, what it really means. We'll get, all to, we'll get to all of that right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. fishing in Alaska at an amusement park in Green Bay or taking a stroll through Loring Park. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. Spring means new beginnings and growth. So let's get your business's seeds planted with Salem Surround. Let us help your website bring you the leads your business needs to thrive. Let's make sure people find you faster and easier on the web. Our amazing team of media strategists are here to serve you with boots on the ground and real-world expertise. We live right here and know the communities you're trying to reach. We're media strategists, and we're very, very good at what we do. So let's grow together. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR. We can refinance most existing car loans or leased cars, new or used, and save you money every month. Put more money back in your pocket. The call is free to find out how low we can lower your car payment. Five minutes of your time right now could save you hundreds of dollars a year. Call Rate Genius now. 800 764 2179. 800 764 2179. 800 764 2179. That's 800 764 2179. Not all applicants qualify for a loan or rate savings. Actual offer terms, including APR, are determined at the time of your application based on creditworthiness, value of the vehicle, loan term, and other factors. I'm sure glad you're my sister, Addie. Yep, you're my best buddy. Mom says you were their little surprise. What would we do without you? Well, you'll probably get your own gum. Yeah, that's true, but you're worth it. Hello, my name is Carrie. I work with Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard people. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives to abortion or needs post-abortion assistance or would like to support the life-saving work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or check us out online at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America, educational, non-political, and tax-deductible. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life. 
GodTube.com. Inspiration, comedy, music, faith, and fun. Get the best of GodTube every morning and start your day with a smile. Great faith-based videos sent to your inbox daily when you subscribe at GodTube.com, a division of Salem Media Group. Welcome back. King Banyan Show, The Biz, 1440. So, stagflation, which just does not mean fat deer, um, is instead a, um, term of, a term developed in the actually late 60s. I'm forgetting the name of the person that did it. I should have done more prep, I guess. But it was back around 1969 or 1970s, British economist uh, started to refer to this feature that we had been led to believe wouldn't happen here's the here's the the story right and it goes back to something that i know um i know excites a few of my listeners uh and may even get uh, get some action on twitter using the hashtag pound kbrs it goes back to the phillips curve now, the Phillips curve, and we're going to do a little teaching, so okay, everybody. I almost should ring a bell like schools come into session. Um, the Phillips curve is a relationship that was founded on a statistical observance of, of a correlation, negative correlation, between the rate of growth of prices and the unemployment rate, um, discovered by an engineer turned economist named named Phillips uh who was a New Zealander um and he discovered it using british first did it looking at wages and unemployment wage prices and unemployment that makes a lot of sense of course but along with that um uh okay um uh, I love this just-in-time production here, uh, Daniel. Uh, John should just call in and do the, do the hour with me. Uh, <laughs> that's great. Um, yes, Ian McLeod was his name. That's right. Ian McLeod termed the to- term stagflation. So the Phillips curve initially was supposed to be wage inflation versus unemployment, and then they found out, hey, what if I put price inflation and unemployment? Notice, right, there's no theory involved in this. It's just a t- statistical relationship. And it coincided at that time with the way we wrote most of our principles textbooks, which used a, a, a means of demonstrating the impact of fiscal and monetary policy in a world in which prices didn't change and that the level of demand in the economy determined the level of GDP, the level of output, and from that, of course, the level of unemployment. And so you had you know, Oaken's law, which came with this, which tied the growth rate of GDP to the unemployment rate. You had all these things. They're all statistical relationships. And by the mid-60s, there were people looking at this like, yeah, okay, I see those statistical relationships, but we know correlation isn't causation. What is the theoretical underpinning that leads those correlations to exist? What, where do they come from? 
And so when I mentioned Esther George in the last segment, president of the Kansas City Fed, and I said she's talking about supply and demand factors, that ends up being the statistical construct that people use to think about what the impact of policy is in a world where, in fact, prices aren't constant, which is what the which is which was the way we thought about it initially in the 50s. But the reason we did that was these models were emanating out of Keynes's general theory, the general theory having been written at a time where inflation wasn't an issue. Deflation was the issue. And so, but in the 30s and 40s, we didn't actually have a model that worked that in. And so we instead used these models, particularly... Um, promulgated by Paul Samuelson, uh, Alvin Hansen, um, I can name a couple other economists from the fort who did their, their most of their work in the 1940s, that just said, look, we don't have to worry about prices. Prices don't seem to move very much. We can just set the level of spending and maybe some adjustments in monetary policy, and we can hit full employment all the time. The experience of the 1960s started to show that we would get inflation from that. And the Phillips curve said, yeah, that's true, but why not? We can just choose a little more inflation in return for a little less unemployment. And it's just a policy choice that the Phillips curve is a menu of choices that's available to us. And again, at this moment, there's none of this demand and supply thing that Esther George is talking about today. But what we start to observe is the fact is, and led to the, the what I would argue, the Nobel winning arguments made on the one hand earlier, his Nobel for Milton Friedman, but later on, at the very same time, uh, Edmund Phelps, so Milton and Ned come out with this model, and it says, basically, you can't just pick any point on the Phillips curve. That what happens is, after a, a period of time, price, expected inflation adjusts to the new inflation rate, and that pushes you back onto a different, higher Phillips curve. And this, in essence, is the death of the Phillips curve that many of my listeners will remind me of on Twitter whenever I bring it up. It's not gone as, a, as an analytical device that some people use to talk about policy. But it's been superseded by things that started with what's called the acceleration hypothesis. And the acceleration hypothesis, okay, is where we start to get to stagflation. The acceleration hypothesis comes from the work that Phelps and Friedman did that got rid of, that basically put a big fork in the Phillips curve by saying the only way you could keep unemployment below a natural level is by having inflation not just be higher, but it has to keep getting higher and higher. In other words, prices have to grow at an accelerating rate in order to keep the unemployment rate pinned below what its natural level would be. And so that was the point where we started to talk about there being a supply curve as well as a demand curve, and that aggregate supply curve was, was something that came out of 
the observation of the accelerationist model that it was the death of the Phillips curve. Okay, so I'll take the Phillips curve and set it aside now and say, okay, so we have this. So now we have, now we have, and it, of course, we have to go through this, this weird thing of saying that, that there's a demand for goods and services that we can sort of take all the goods and services in the world and sum them up on one side and we could come up with a general price level and put it up on a vertical curve and we can have just one graph, right? So we could do all that. Suppose that's true. What's that supply curve represent? And now comes 1973 and the first shock to oil prices that comes out of OPEC. And what we discover is, wait, that supply curve doesn't just depend on on in, on expected inflation but it ex- depends on productivity it depends on the on the productive capacity of the economy before 73 there's a little discussion about what happens in war and so forth and there's some discussion of that but by and large except for a few guys that were writing and I'm going to skip their contributions which were important but and that's the rational expectations debate but I I, I have to set that to the side cuz I only have about 15 20 minutes to get through get through the rest of what I want to say you you get to a point where they recognize that the supply curve can shift inward as a result of that so if you think about a shift in supply a negative shock to supply coming from OPEC taking over and imposing an embargo on the import of oil by the west you get two things that happen at the same time. Unemployment, higher unemployment, and higher prices. Right? And lower GDP. I get a recession with higher inflation, and that, my friends, is what stagflation is. And so I'll go back to something I said in the first hour of the show. In no world where we talk about stagflation... Would you have an unemployment rate at three and a half percent? And I say that even recognizing that now three and a half isn't the really the right number because, of course, you got a bunch of workers who are not in the workplace right now. I, I will say that's still that's that's a supply shock, but that's not stagflation. Stagflation can result. When we decide that the 3.5% unemployment rate is a permanent feature of our new economy and that we keep trying to keep the unemployment rate at 3.5% or alternatively, we keep trying to keep the stock market at the price level it was when the S&P set set a 52-week high or an all-time high or something like that. That decision, that policy response is what leads to stagflation, and that is exactly what Friedman and Phelps had to tell us back in the 60s. Right? And it doesn't have to do with the needs versus wants that, that Ira Jersey was talking about. What it has to do is with a policy reaction to what happens when you get a negative supply shock. When I come back, what are policymakers thinking about that supply shock? A little bit more from Esther George's talk and a few more pieces from from the markets uh, and market commentary after this. You are listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz, 1440. Where's the feeling gone? 
want to talk to you for a minute about the 100% drug-free relief factor. We all deal with aches and pains in our day-to-day lives, and I have had my fair share, including injuries like a detached quad muscle that, I can tell you, fell into the category of really bad pain. But I've been able to manage the pain by taking relief factor. It helps your own body to attack and fight off sources of inflammation, the source of most of our aches and pains, and I've loved it for years now. Almost 70% of the more than half a million people who have tried Relief Factor end up ordering more. That's because it works for them the way it worked for me. Isn't it time for you to get out of pain? Your first step to becoming pain-free should be to order the three-week quick starter pack for the discounted price of only $19.95. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-4-RELIEF to find out more about this offer. Feel the difference. What's your favorite high school sports memory? A late-inning rally? A game-winning shot? A photo finish? Maybe it's a pep rally or a pregame ritual. Maybe it's the euphoria of a late-night bus ride home after a hard-fought win. Maybe it's having pizza with teammates after the game. Now, imagine if it never happened at all. School sports need your help. With budgets getting tighter, it's more than the games that are on the line. It's all the traditions, the community pride, the culture of your hometown high school, plus all those memories that are on the line, too. What can you do? It's simple. Buy a ticket when you can. Go to a game. Take the whole family. Let's do everything we can to keep those cherished school sports memories alive. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Activities Administrators Association. Before Bamboo HR, <laughs> I feel like crying just thinking about it. We were still handling everything via paper, and we literally had paper stacked. It was all in spreadsheets and, like, folders. From the moment I started using it, I felt calmer. As soon as we started using the Bamboo, like, onboarding checklist, I mean, <laughs> it was extremely easy. Headcount, turnover, uh, years of service. Like, there's just so many different reports that I use at different points in time. I'm, like, totally set free to focus on the people, to focus on the development, to focus on team dynamics. It's freeing me up to do more of the stuff that actually matters in HR, which is interacting with people, learning from them, and then building stuff for them. Everything is in this one place. I can't even imagine what it would be like without Bamboo HR. We're Bamboo HR, and we'd love to set you free to do great work. Come try our award-winning all-in-one HR software for free with no strings attached. Visit BambooHR.com HR for this free trial offer. That's BambooHR.com HR. Well, I'll tell you, the moment I realized I was not going to be um, a rock star musician was about the time I heard this song and tried to replicate it with uh, a band I played with at the time and realized in about 30 minutes, we are never getting that syncopation right. (laughs) Just so skilled. Uh, That's, of course, Steely Dan. 
Uh, and uh, you're listening to the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Thank you for the little flashback, because that's, in fact, from the 70s. And we are talking 70s right now. Uh, and what is stagflation? Um, how, how do you know what it is? Stagflation, again, results from an attempt. It, it, and it's important, to, it's important to get a couple terms right. What we did in 2020 was we had a, the pandemic was a large negative supply shock. Some of which was, has been reversed during the last two years, but not all of it. We still have disruptions to supply chains. We still have the, in part that's because the pandemic continues to circulate around the world and in a globalized economy, places that we trade with and receive intermediate goods from are experiencing the pandemic in, in a different point in their cycle than in ours. Okay, the pandemic does not synchronize how it strikes various parts of your supply chain. Um, so there's that disruption happening. There is a disruption to labor supply because people, at least some group of people, would appear to me at least to have made the decision that they are willing to supply less labor and instead take more leisure for a while. We'll see what happens. Will they all come back? I don't know. But for there to be stagflation, so here's what normally happens. When you have a supply shock, you can use monetary and fiscal policy to, con to correct for that supply shock. Because that negative supply shock in and of itself should have increased prices and decreased and, and decrease, should have increased prices and decreased output at the same time. Now, there was a demand shock early in the pandemic, too, right? Because people didn't work, they didn't have income, and so you had a decrease in, in, in demand. And they also simply stopped going out. There was no business at the restaurants, at the theaters, um, at, at sports stadia, and so forth, on the airplanes. So there was a demand shock, too. Fiscal and monetary policy could drop money in and fix that and, and, and replace that demand shock with a government shock in a positive direction. In the way uh, John Cochran talks about it, we basically did a, did a $6 trillion fiscal helicopter drop, largely paid for by the Federal Reserve's expansion of its balance sheet. And I, I'm a, coming around to deciding that, that the best explanation of what happened what what happened and and how we can think about prices is Cochrane's model, but I'm not I'm not actually focused on that this morning. I might take some time to take you through that on another sort of teaching moment here on the show. I would love to get Cochrane on this show. The guy is so witty and and interesting, um, and and I think really insightful. But but you don't even need his model to think think about this piece, right? What does, the, what does that model say? That model says that there is, that the supply shock, if you believe, has not, been, has not been fully reversed, should not bring GDP, therefore, back to the level it was pre-pandemic. 
the path has been changed. And at least in my mind, that path has been changed to a permanently lower growth path of GDP into the future. Because people are swapping leisure for labor. Because because we're changing how our supply chain works because we may have been too exposed to risk and decide we want a more robust, less fragile uh, supply chain, that takes time. It's going to cost us some output to build in that resiliency. But if you continue... Eventually, you get to wherever it is full employment is in the future, and you get there because we decided to accommodate that supply shock with higher with higher amounts of government spending and with a higher uh, central bank balance sheet and greater monetary growth. We end up with it with higher prices. There's an alternative if we had decided to just focus on inflation all by itself and paid no attention if the Fed hadn't done anything. Our usual models of the economy would say you will probably end up with a deeper recession in 2020 and into 2021, which nobody, no policymaker was advocating for that. You'll eventually go back to where you were before, or minus whatever it is it takes to correct those supply chain problems and and the change in the labor-leisure trade-off. Those things will change, leading to lower output. But you'll end up with no inflation. And the argument is, how long does it take to get back to that same level of output that we're going to get now? Would the recession last longer? And was it our desire? And, and, and would people have accepted, well, we'll have a longer recession, but in return for that, we won't have this inflation? And I think the answer to that is no. I think there is, and, and this, is, this is me giving an opinion, uh, a, a broad opinion about particularly, particularly democracies, but there are very few autocracies that will not when faced with the idea of either accommodating a negative supply shock or holding the line on keeping prices constant, there is pretty much no place in the world, with the possible exception of Switzerland, that will, not, that will choose not to accommodate a negative supply shock. And in Switzerland, their decision not to do so has created all kinds of problems for their central bank, has created all kinds of problems for their economy, and I think they're actually having a soft inflation, but I honestly don't know enough about Switzerland. There's very few news reports that I get to read about the Swiss economy, but they're the only place I looked at saying they may in fact try to go the other way. But but China, the U.S., the EU... Japan, Australia, New Zealand, the African countries, Brazil, Argentina, every major country I can think of where I go, so what are you doing, is accommodating the negative supply shock of COVID. Once you've done it and you've accepted that the new equilibrium is what it is, that's not stagflation. Stagflation results from trying to keep the unemployment rate below where it needs to be. 
And I don't know where it needs to be. I think it's at 3.5% right now, and I don't see any evidence that demand is pulling more people into the market because you still have a number of people who are not in the marketplace. Indeed, I, I read some things that would indicate to me that policymakers are hoping higher prices will induce people to go back to work. Um, I'm going to play a few of them for you right after this break, but I, I listen to them and listen to how they're talking about whether or not the Fed should accommodate or not accommodate. When are they going to stop accommodating? Are they really trying to stop accommodating now, or have they decided they've gone far enough and are trying to get back to the equilibrium? Or are they actually going to create additional price increases, which I think would be stag, which would then be the stagflationary story? So my answer to is there stagflation right now is it is too soon to say. It's not stagflation yet. If we're in the same place with 4% unemployment, excuse me, if we're at a place with 4 to 5% unemployment and we have inflation stuck in the fours, get back to me on stagflation. But we're not there yet. It's way too soon to say. I'll, list, I'll have you listen to a few people who are kind of trying to make that point right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. <laughs> Is 1440 KYCR Golden Valley. The Stone Arch Bridge, the St. Paul Skyline, Gooseberry Falls. You can own one of the hundreds of iconic Minnesota images captured by award winning Twin Cities photographer Wayne Moran for half off the regular price. You'll get a signed 36 inch print of your choice for your home, office, or to give as a gift. Normally $540, now just $270. Only five of these special print offers are available, so call the radio station now at 651-289-4413. 651-289-4413. When Midwest Fence got started, a loaf of bread in this country was 13 cents. Drive-in movies were just getting rolling, and a guy named Jackie Robinson was entering the major leagues. This year, Midwest Fence celebrates their 75th anniversary, and over those decades, customers have figured out that these guys have something special. They helped make this family business the largest fence company in the state, and at 75, certainly the oldest. But at Midwest Fence, that means nothing if you're not also the best. So they have the widest selection of fence designs. And because they buy in bulk, they keep their prices lower. And they have work crews who never take shortcuts. And they visit you at your home and give you a free estimate, along with a little insight and expertise. Offering financing as well. That's how you stay in business 75 years. Find them at MidwestFence.com. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex Staff Stevens. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as Reserve Citizen Airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served 
and those who are proudly serving, we celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I'm proud to be a member. And of I'm proud to serve in the United and States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. Have you lost your gun rights due to an old criminal offense? Have you been denied a permit to carry or a purchase of a firearm? I'm attorney Kelly Keegan, and I can help. Schedule a free consultation at KeeganLawOffice.com. That's K-E-E-G-A-N LawOffice.com. Soaking up the sun in Fiji, walking through the Sculpture Garden in Minneapolis, or standing in awe at the Grand Canyon. We're where you are. Listen to the Biz 1440 at Odyssey.com or with the free Odyssey app. I feel the wind blow outside my door. Welcome back. There you go. Like that. Beautiful. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. Uh, the number here on the King Banyan Show on the Biz 1440. Last segment for today. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. Uh, be sure to get by and uh, observe the uh, the traditions of the weekend, and uh, particularly on Monday. Um, stopping by a cemetery is kind of like, it's just what you do. Um, so don't, don't get hurrying off to the picnic or to the golf course. Um, make that stop first. Um, This is Esther George again, um, uh, talking, and then I'm going to play a couple of a uh, couple of comments from other folks as well. With the amount of stimulus injected in the economy, the strength of demand is not particularly surprising. Da 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 da. The emergence of supply constraints has put the economy in somewhat unfamiliar territory. In the two decades prior to the pandemic, it was widely thought that the primary factor holding back economic growth was weak demand. Underlying this belief was the relatively benign nature of inflation over this period, even in the face of historically low global interest rates and low unemployment. Now, supply constraints dominate the economic narrative. What changed? Um, Another possibility says one thing might be nothing changed. But, however, another possibility is that the pandemic has resulted in persistent, even permanent damage to the productive capacity of the economy. This damage could be manifested along a number of dimensions. I actually think President George is correct on this, that we have seen a change in supply, and I think that change in supply is indeed permanent. Danielle DiMartino Booth was talking about the Fed's reaction to maybe that change in supply. She was she was talking, I think this is from CNBC uh, last or maybe this is Fox. I, I've forgotten now. Uh, but anyway, uh, she's, of course, the... Uh, the uh, creator of Quill Intelligence and formerly a Dallas Fed official. Um, And uh, she had this to say, cut number three. I think there's a very high likelihood that we're already in recession right now. And so I think that the answer to that question is somewhat rhetorical. Okay. (laughs) Because I I do think that the Fed's going to to push ahead. We haven't seen... Uh, an inventory build of this magnitude um, in existing home sales since uh, a two-month build since at least 1999, as far back as as records go. Uh, we have 
three separate stages of job openings that, uh, that, that show that they have peaked and rolled over. Um, we, we've got the anecdata from the likes of Amazon and Target and Walmart. Uh, and on top of that, you know, whenever you see in the University of Michigan uh, those surveyed expecting unemployment expectations to rise, whenever you see that gap up by 15 points, as we have seen in very short order, 80 percent of the time we've actually been in recession as opposed to contemplating whether we're going into recession or not. So, yes, I mean, that. It, so she talks about a number of the points, but the point is that all of those points, when she says we're already permanently in a recession, a recession means that you don't think that the changes that have happened to the supply are permanent. But it's worth thinking about whether or not they they might be. Um, I've got John on line one at 651-289-4477 with a question. John, good morning. How are you today? Oh, very good. Thank you. I enjoy your program. Uh, what I wanted to ask you is if I was aware of the the Council of Economic Advisors, which I thought provided economic information to the executive branch and Congress if necessary. But now I understand there's something called the National Economic Council that just provides uh, economic information to the president. Could you uh, differentiate those two? And why why are there two different groups of people providing that economic advice? Actually, that's a great question. Thank you, John. I'll uh, I'll answer that. I'll answer that. Uh, thanks for the call. The um, national the the uh, National Economic Council is a second group that does not actually go through the same set of processes. So let me let me differentiate. The Council of Economic Advisors are, is what it says. They're a group of advisors, but they have broad latitude in thinking about what it is they're going to research. CEA is like a policy shop that lives within the within the uh, executive branch. CEA does come down to talk to Congress from time to time. It doesn't absolutely need to, but it does. But what's what's interesting about about CEA is that it actually has a role to play based on congressional action. The National Economic Council actually is just a creation of the executive branch. And it's typically been used by presidents, both Republican and Democrat, um, as a, a group of people that are out willing to give the president's message. So the NEC is more of a, uh, a, pers- a spokesperson for the administration, whereas the chair and the other two members of the Council of Economic Advisors have from time to time said things in public that the president goes, that isn't what I actually believe and and but because CEA is created to give good professional objective economic advice to the president, they don't always come eye to eye. So the CEA is not exactly the fe- the the president's mouthpiece. The NEC chair typically is the current person being Brian Deese, um, but I believe Larry Kudlow was the one for uh, was the NEC, his role was NEC chair for um for president trump so that's that's what that that's what that that's what that difference is let me go to a uh, another i'm going to skip around because i'm not sure i got time for both of these but uh, uh jim bianco bianco research had this to say uh yesterday uh, this also i believe from uh, bloomberg uh cut number five the 2022 version of that is the Fed hikes until enough things break. We've already broken things. We've got the worst stock market in 52 years so far through May 25th. We've got arguably the worst bond market in 200 years. 
And that's because we've got high inflation and the Fed is trying to deal with it. And I think as we move forward, we're going to have to basically see if we get signs that inflation is coming down, not peaking. Everybody knows it peaked. It, it probably already has peaked at eight and a half percent. But that's not the story. And that's never been the story. The story is how fast does it come down? Because if it ends the year at five percent, the Fed's going to go full on the whole year. And their goal is going to be, as vice or as former New York Fed President Bill Dudley said, if the stock market doesn't go down, the Fed's going to lower it. That was the title of his op-ed uh, last month. And I think right. that that's exactly the way the Fed is looking at this right now. If we don't see serious signs of inflation slowing, they're out for the stock market. They have been all year. And I don't think that's going to change because I don't think we're going to see enough signs of inflation slowing. So that means means truly trying to move demand down, pull us back toward to 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 shorten up the cycle to get inflation back down, which would in fact be in that aggregate supply aggregate demand mode, actually lowering demand potentially and actually and actually trying to bring prices down. That could lead to more deflation. I didn't have time for the last one. I'm so sorry, but that's the that's the argument right now. Do they do they do they keep going? Or, or are they going to stop sometime soon? And, and if they don't stop, that's stagflation. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you for coming in on a, on a holiday weekend, Daniel. Appreciate you being here as well and getting those cuts ready for us. We'll talk with you next week. Job Saturday next week here on the King Banyan Show on The Biz 1440. It is only the rest of your life. Are you prepared for it? Tune in to this week's Money Matters with Alan Mike. They'll be discussing retirement income and the risks that need to be overcome during your golden years. Alan Mike will share with you how to create a sustainable income strategy. So make sure you listen to Money Matters with Alan Mike, 2 p.m. Sunday on The Biz 1440, or call them now at 855-231-6010. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy. The best way to make sure your CPAP equipment is clean is to get new supplies. If you have Medicare, we have great news. Medicare will pay for you to have new clean supplies every 90 days. We'll even do all the paperwork for you to make sure that there's little to no out-of-pocket cost to you. And you don't even have to leave your home. We provide free in-home delivery. So if you're a CPAP user and you have Medicare, staying healthy with new CPAP equipment is easy. Just make this free phone call right now to get started. Sponsored by Specialty Medical. 800-260-1792. 800-260-1792. That's 800-260-1792. Giving your computer problems the boot. Hi, this is Randy with Arby's Computer Service. You have heard me advertise on this and other stations for years and have trusted us for your IT needs, and I thank you for that. We now have an immediate need for a network server tech in our organization. If you or someone you know has a year or more business experience supporting these environments and is looking to work for a company like ours, I would like to speak with you. We are very competitive with other large companies for pay and benefits, including health and retirement planning. But because we are smaller, our environment is friendly and more flexible than some of the larger IT companies. You can 
do your job, and it can actually be fun doing so working for us. Call me today to determine if you have the requirements for the position so that we can move forward and you can become part of our team. We can be reached at 763-441-3884, or you can email me, randy at rbsmn.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. Does your pressure washer hose have any exposed wire? Replace it now before somebody gets hurt. Go to AmericanPressure.com and shop for pressure washer hoses and other accessories today. Same day shipping from our Minnesota warehouse. From hoses to nozzles, we have the accessories you need to keep running. Make sure to visit AmericanPressure.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.